Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Thank you, Joel, Pastor Joel. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. How are you doing today? Grace and peace to one and all. Can you just say hello? How are you to someone next to you, nearby you, someone you don't know? Turn around real quick. Just give a little handshake, a little dap, something like that. Just a little something, something. Say hello. Hi. My name is so-and-so. What's your name? Great. You know, something real simple like that. Man, I got to tell you, I got to tell you guys, I feel really good today. And I know you do too, right? I mean, a lot of people feel really good today. We had a great time right here, right, pouring ourselves out to God. We had a great, great experience, and we're not done. No, no, we're not. But it's interesting, though, because we can have so many great experiences and so many great times. But then, as I'm sure every adult in this room might know, sometimes it doesn't last. Sometimes it doesn't last because we have great experiences and we have great moments and we have great times, but then we run into something that is, is kind, of, kind, of, it's kind of a buzzkill sometimes. It's kind of something that changes the mindset, the whole vibe gets thrown off, and it's something called real life. Has anyone ever experienced that? Real life? Anybody got a, right? You're right? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Real life, right? You, got, you ever get, get just by some real life? You know what I'm saying? You ever get just like by some real life? Yeah, right? Real life. I mean, when you were a kid, you didn't know nothing about no real life. You thought you did. You thought you did. Admit it. Admit it. You thought you did. See, I'm a high school teacher, and I tell my students all the time, guys, let me tell you, enjoy it now. Enjoy it all now. Just enjoy it now. But life can be hard. It can be. And we know that. We know life can be hard. We know life can be full of challenges, full of struggles, full of stress. We know life can be full of tragedies sometimes. We know that things can challenge us and they can really just rock us right down to the core. Has anyone ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever experienced something like that? I mean, I'm talking something that just like, just wiped you out. Just wiped you out. See, here in church, we got to confess things like that too. We got to say like, you know what? Sometimes life ain't good. Sometimes I don't, I'm, I'm not feeling it today. Shoot, I haven't been feeling it for a week or a month or maybe years. I hope not, but I understand that. But today, today, I want us to focus on how we can build or rebuild our lives. Because some of us need to put the pieces back together. So it's like these blocks here, right? So this is a great game, and I know you guys know it, especially if you, you know, some of us who are parents out here, the game of Jenga. And this is such a fun game, right? Have you ever played this game? You know, you got to stack them threes, right? You got to go out here. But I got to tell you, you know, it's funny. It's, uh, I guess, you know, the uh, companies that make this, they got to, you know, spice it up a little bit. So they're like, well, Jenga, I mean, it's too easy nowadays. So there's Jenga Extreme. You ever seen that one? It's slanted. I'm no architect, but come now. So, you know, it's, it's a slanted thing. And you build the pieces up, right? You build the pieces up. And what's the goal of the game, those of you who played? What's the goal? What are we supposed to do with these pieces right here? 
to take out the pieces, right? You take out the pieces and you put them back to the top, right? So you can take out the little piece right here. All right, now here's, the, here's now some of you players, you know, you got to like tap the piece real quick, right? You got to tap the piece, find that loose one. And you're like, aha, that one. And then the next person with the next turn, they take out the most obscure one. And they're like, ha, deal with that. And you're like, I quit. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But yeah, that's how the game works, right? You got to take a little piece. Oh, I got one. Oh, I got, oh, 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 wait a minute. I did this with a toddler earlier this morning, and they just like did not get this right. So there we go. They started doing this and stuff like that. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to do it anyway. Right? So you take the piece out, and then you stick it on the top like that, right? But here's the thing, right? They've got an expert up there, right? But as we know, sometimes it feels like that. Pieces get taken out. but Other times it feels like the whole thing is just blown away, right? Because life can be so hard. Life can be so difficult. Life can be so challenging. And you know what the truth is? Sometimes it is our fault. It's the decisions we made. It's the consequences of our own actions. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's out of our hands. Sometimes it's someone else's decision that has had influence over us. Maybe your employer made a decision, and all the people that are under that employer have to suffer the consequence. That happens. Sometimes in a household, someone makes a decision, and it hurts everybody. Spouse, children, it hurts the other people around them. You've probably been hurt by that in some way, shape, or form. And let's admit it, we've probably done some hurting ourselves, if we're honest about who we are and what we've done and the decisions that we've made. But what we need to experience today is how to put pieces back together. We need to walk out of this place today in wholeness. We need to walk out today with something that we know that we are standing firm on, that we are ready to just go out into the world and say, you know what? Bring it. You know what? I know things are going to happen, but I'm wise now. So I'm going to make decisions that are not going to ruin everything. But also at the same time, when other decisions are made that affect me, I know I can stand strong. That's where we're going today. Will you come with me on this journey? So let's talk about what we've been doing for this whole year. So we've been experiencing the books of the Bible and looking for key God sayings. We've been dwelling living, just, just soaking it up in the scriptures for this year. And we've been moving through the books of the Old Testament. Now, where are we at now? Well, we're in a time that's very interesting in the timeline of the Bible. It's very interesting in the historical parts of it because the time of the exile has ended. Now, what's the exile? Now, if you don't know what the exile is, don't worry, don't worry. A lot of people don't know it because it doesn't really get emphasized so much in church. It doesn't get emphasized so much in study, but it actually is a big time in the Bible. See, for generations, generations, years and years, decades and decades and decades, the people of God, they were just not doing it right. They weren't. And eventually God sent messengers, the prophets, to say, hey, listen, we ain't doing right. And if current circumstances still persist, there is a consequence that's coming. People will be taken away out of our holy city, Jerusalem. They'll be taken away. They'll be sent off to other empires. And we'll be conquered. We'll be destroyed. And our whole city will be knocked down and destroyed like these blocks. They'll be knocked down. And they warned the people over and over, just the, the regular people and the leadership. They warned over and over. And eventually, the consequence came. And God had to do right. God had to do justly through these empires that were around. And it was a sad time in the exile. They were taken away from their home. 
But God is so good because there was another promise that said, hey, guess what? It ain't going to last forever. That's right. This bad time, it does not last forever. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. There is something good that's going to come out of this. There's better days ahead. Yes, it's hard now. Yes, it's not good. Yes, it's very difficult. There's a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, but it will not last forever. So now we're coming back into this story. These two books of the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, Ezra and Nehemiah, historically, these books were just put together as just one just massive story. But over time, in the process of forming those scriptures, they were separated into two separate books. But it's all one story together. And it's funny because you got this person, Ezra, you got this person, Nehemiah, and it talks about them. But then you got in Nehemiah's book, you got Ezra feature in that in a couple chapters. So they all interact with each other. It's all happening at the same time. And even other prophets have their own books in the Bible. Haggai, uh, um, what's his name, the other one, Uh, Zacharias, they have their own feature in these books as well. So this is all working together. And the message that's going to come out of this is a message that, hey, we're coming back to our land. It's finally over. The exile period has ended. But, but, something gets in the way. And that something, once again, is our good friend, real life. See, it wasn't easy coming back. It wasn't. They had to do a lot of things. Because not only did they have to come back into a place that was, like, destroyed, but they had to put their whole society back together from the day one stuff. They had to do everything they had to do to bring it back. So they had to do several things. And one of them, as we're going to dwell on today, is rebuilding their wall. Now, I have a picture right here that we're going to see real quick. And uh, this is an archaeological dig site right there. So you could go to this location right now in Jerusalem, and you can see this dig site of the walls that were being constructed at the time. This is thousands of years old. And you can go there and see all this. Now, it's all excavated out. You know, there's a certain tour that goes around and things like that. So you can see what's happening. So this had to be rebuilt. Now, back then, if your city did not have a wall, you were vulnerable because there's all people outside of you, and they're ready to take over. They want to see what you got. And you have to build a wall to protect your city. So needless to say, this is a really important project. Very, very important. So what did they have to actually do? Because the wall wasn't just the wall. The wall represented the key to rebuilding their society. And they had to do three important things to bring things back. Now, the first thing they had to do, they had to rebuild. Rebuild. And that's what happens in our lives sometimes, don't, doesn't it? We have to rebuild things. We have to rebuild. We have to just reconstruct. But the other thing they had to do, they had to restore things in their society. They had to restore those different things. And then at the end of that, out of that process, there was only thing, one thing left to do. We rebuild, restore, and only one more thing. Rejoice, celebrate, be happy, give thanks. But as we'll see, that process takes a lot of time. It's not a formula. It's not just do, 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 yay. It's not like that. As you know, it's real life. And real life can be really hard. So, Let's see what happened. Let's, let's just think about what was happening. And we're going to go to the book of Nehemiah right now. So here's one thing that we have to understand about rebuilding. Rebuilding or building your life, it requires 
work. It requires work. There is work to be done to rebuild a life. See, things have to be put in a certain order. Things have to be put in their proper place. For this Jenga game to work, things have to be stacked a certain way. There has to be a construction. There has to be a design. There has to be something that's happening to put pieces back together. And that requires work. Most things in our lives require work. I mean, you go to your job, you're going to go to your job tomorrow, and guess what? You're going to go to work. That's right. You're going to go to work. You're going to do something. You have some deadline to meet. You have something you got to do. You got some people who you have to collaborate with. You got to send emails. You got to show up to this place at this time. Whatever whatever you're going to do, you're going to go to work, and you're going to actually do something. Now, how you do it, why you do it, that's really important. Because we understand in Christ that the mindset of why we do what we do is crucial. It's crucial. In fact, it makes a distinction between someone in Christ and someone who's not. Why are you doing what you do? What are you doing in your work? And I know sometimes that can be rough. But let's take a look in the scriptures to see how this construction project began. So we're going to go to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. So Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to start with verse 6. And we'll just look at this statement right here. So Nehemiah, he's been given all the resources he needs by the king of Persia to rebuild this wall. So he hooked up. He's hooked up. So it's all ready for him. And he says this in verse four, uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. With all their heart. Now, that means that, yes, their physical heart, it was pumping. It was pumping. They were heave-ho. They were picking up stuff, laying it down, the whole thing. But also, the motive was there. They were putting their full effort into what was happening. They were all ready to do this project. We're going to work on this with all our heart. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you, do you, when you're at work, you, you do it with all your heart, right? Right? You do it with all your heart sometimes, most of the time. You know, listen, you know, well, Eddie, you have to. I mean, come on, man. You have, you have to. So the thing is, is that, you know, I understand. I understand it was those days. And I understand you're thinking of someone else in your job that doesn't do things with all their heart. And, you, know, you don't have to think they're out of nothing. I understand that person. Just don't be that person. That's the key to it. So they had to work with all their heart. They had to give their effort into it, putting things together, putting things back together, placing things in the right spot. What's interesting, though, is that they had opposition. They had opposition. There was people around them that were like, yeah, what's going on here? Like, who, who authorized you to do that? Oh, the king of Persia? Uh, uh, yeah, okay, nice story. See, the thing is, is that sometimes when we're rebuilding or building our lives, there are people who doubt. Why are you doing that? Wait, you're quitting your job to pursue this other thing? Wait, what's, what's going on with that? Wait, hold on. Why, why are you doing this? Or, man, you, you know, you're, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. And I understand that. It can look like that from the outside. But if there's a purity of motive with all your heart, and if something that God has put into your heart to do, to rebuild or build your life, you got to ignore that. You're going to have to ignore that. And I understand it's hard because some of those people are people close to you. I understand that too. But here's what's interesting. is As they're rebuilding and as they're, they're looking out and as they're seeing people oppose what they're doing, it, it, it weighs on them heavy. It weighs on them heavy. So Nehemiah, being the leader he was, says, you know what? You know what we should do? We should pray. That's right. We should pray. 
We should kneel before God and we should pray. But that's not the only thing they did. That's not the only thing they did. And let's check out what they did. So here we go to verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Dead. The Jews who lived near them came out and told them 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I, I being Nehemiah himself, stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. When our enemies heard that, we were aware of their plot, that God had frustrated it. We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From day, that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were working behind the wall. Those who carried materials did their work in one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword on his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me, just in case things pop off. So that's a lot going on there. But understand this, he prayed, but then he enacted a plan. He says, you know what? We need families to unify together in this building process. We need everybody ready to defend what is being built. See, this is building not only a wall, this is building community. This is saying, you know what? There's a purpose that all of us, whether you be old, whether you be young, can contribute to. Now, here at Christ Fellowship, that is one of our continual goals, to be a multi-generational congregation that everybody from the oldest to the youngest can participate in the ministry of God. We're not going to be some type of society that says, okay, only a certain amount of people can do these things, and all you other people, you just, you just stay off to the side and just cheer us on. No, no. You see, everybody has a role to play. Everyone can do something to build up a society or rebuild this wall. But the key is to form that unity together and say, you know what? We need everybody in on this. Everybody. So if you might think you're just a little lowly person, let me tell you something. You're wrong. You're wrong. You might think like, well, I don't have no skills. Well, what can, what can I possibly do? I'm telling you right now, in God's kingdom, there truly is a place for everybody, for everybody. And some of us have that witness in here. You say, you know what? Like, I just had so much doubt, so much insecurity. And then maybe someone came along and said, hey, man, come join us and do this. Or, hey, why don't you come over and, and over here? And that might have saved your life in some ways. It probably did. Because now you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's the key to building a community and rebuilding things. Everybody had to be motivated in the right mindset to rebuild this wall and rebuild their society. So the second word, rebuild we had, but now we have this word, restore. Everybody say restore. So restore. Now, you know what's interesting? In looking up some things, I was like, all right, what's the difference between rebuild and restore? I mean, isn't that kind of the same thing? Like, isn't that kind of, you know, like a synonym together? Well, yes and also no, because there's some nuance to the word restore. And the word, original word in the Hebrew language of the Bible is shub. Everybody say it, shub. 
Yeah, 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 shoot. You got to like, like, like throw it, just shoot, just shoot right there. Yeah, you got to throw that out there. And what's interesting is that it had very similar definitions to rebuild, but there was something that was a little more to it. And it was about turning something into its better form. And I thought to myself, you know, that's so interesting because we have sayings like that. We, we talk about having a house. It's something that's a physical structure, a house, but we can make it a home. And that's different. See, many people can live in a house, but do they feel like it's their home? There could be a house, and it could look nice. It can have all the outward appearances of a beautiful house, beautiful yard, beautiful fence, backyard, shutters, everything like that, all those beautiful, wonderful things. But inside, inside the home, it could be very different. Now, some of us might have grew up in this. Some of us might have grew up in, it looked great from the outside, but inwardly, the relationships, the bonds, that was what was difficult. See, as they were rebuilding their city that had been destroyed by invasion, they had to also rebuild and restore their society. So they had to repurpose certain things. They had to bring things back into the regular flow, certain holidays and festivals and other things that were the law that was passed down that had really been forgotten or just kind of put over to the wayside for a few generations at this point. So they had to do things like the Passover feast. It hadn't been celebrated in years. So they had to bring things back together. And it's interesting because in doing this process, they had to have faith. Faith. They had to have faith. But not just faith. Faith with action. Faith and action. Faith to trust God and action to obey God. You see, we can say we believe in things. Let's be clear about this. We can say we believe in things. But as we all have seen in other people and in ourselves, what we do can be very different. Our actual actions can be very, very different than what we say. We can say we believe in certain things. We can say certain things are right, certain things are wrong. We can say it out loud. And honestly, we can fool each other about that. We can say the right things. It sound good. But our actions tell a different story. Now, I'm sure you've heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. Everybody's heard that one, right? Actions speak louder than words. But actions also can interpret words. You want to know what someone believes? Look what they do. You want to know what someone thinks about something? Look what they do. You want to know what someone's moral values are? Look what they do. Look at their actual actions. Look at what they do to help other people. If you believe that being a helpful person is an important thing, great. But if you don't lift a finger to help anybody, do you really believe that's true? Do you really believe that's a good thing? If you believe being faithful to your spouse is a good thing, but your actions are other than that, do you really believe in being faithful to your spouse? Do you really believe that? Faith and action, they go hand in hand. You want to know what someone believes? Look what they do. Look what their actions, look what you do. Is what I'm doing matching up with what I'm saying? Or are they contradictory? And therefore, am I a hypocrite? Am I a liar? Am I just a phony, a fake? That's something that you might have to confess before God and say, you know what, God? I think I'm really off here. I think I look good. I sound good. But I think inwardly I'm full of some other things. I think I'm full of uh, envy. I think I'm full of uh, anger at certain people. I think I'm, uh, I'm, think I'm, I'm uh, very critical on other people. Like no one can do right by my standard. You know, I feel, I feel like, uh, uh, 
you know, I, I want to uh, say I love certain people, but like, honestly, like, you know, I kind of avoid them if I can. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't really love them. I kind of say I do because I, I feel like I'm supposed to say things like that as a Christian. It's real. It's real for a lot of people. But you have to have the faith to believe that what you're doing is worth it. Because the faith required to rebuild and to restore, it is a process. And it is brick by brick by brick by brick. See, what's interesting about the story of rebuilding Ezra and Nehemiah is there were times when the wall was almost there and then it stopped for a few years. And then they started rebuilding another part again and then it stopped for a few years. And then they started rebuilding again and it stopped for a few years. It was a continual process. But there were some heavy, heavy requirements to fully restore. Because there are some bricks that are needed, aren't there? To restore and rebuild your life. There are some important characteristics that God has to really, like, bring into your heart. I mean, maybe it's, like, something like this. Maybe it's something like self-control. Maybe it's something like self-control. Maybe that's something you need to rebuild in your life is self-control. Now, I'm not going to tell you what area you need self-control in because you already know. You already know what it is. But let's say you're just, you're just real quick with the tongue, you know? Just quick with something, just saying something bad. Maybe God has to tame that tongue a little bit. Maybe he has to tame that tongue. Maybe there's certain things that you like to look at. But maybe God has to tame those eyes. And maybe you have to say, you know what, no, I need some self-control. I need God. God, I need you to give me some self-control. I need, I need that spirit in me that says I can have some self-control. Or maybe it's just an attitude you have, a mindset. And you just, you just think these terrible thoughts about people or about yourself. It extends that far too. Maybe you need some self-control in your life. Let's see what other bricks we have. Oh, here's another one. This is a good one. Gratitude. Gratitude. See, gratitude is very important. It's very important. Because when you actually think about all the good things in your life that enabled you to be here in this place right now. That list will get longer and longer and longer and longer and longer, more than you think about. You know, here's something you can do, you know, especially if we're parents here. Make a list of why you're thankful for your children. What you love about them. Like, really think about it. Married people, make a list of gratitude for your spouse. Really think about it. Really think about it. All of us, all of us, make a list. Think about the, the good things you have in your life. Now, I understand it might not be what you want. It might not be. But it is what you have. It is what you have. And it is also, as we know in Christ, it's what you've been given. So that's something to be thankful for, to have that mindset of gratitude as a brick that can be built to build up your life. How about this one? Humility. Humility. You see, words are fun. Humility. So the word humility is interesting. It's, 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 it's humble, being humble, right? right? Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, as it's been said. It's humility. But it's interesting, with this one specifically, there's a cost for lack of humility. And words are fun because you know what the cost for a lack of humility is? 
Humiliation. Right, see? Our words fun, right? They work together. See, lack of humility is interesting. Now, I understand. I understand. Some of us might have the wrong mindset about humility because we have the wrong mindset about pride and arrogance. See, it's easy to think of pride and arrogance as like that supervillain, you know, I'm so great. But you know what? There's some low-key arrogance too, you know? You know, you ever been on the receiving end of like those little statements, you know? Little, little something, little, 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 like a little spice, a little hate on that same, you know, oh, that's great. I'm glad you did that. Must be nice. And it's like, oh, they, wait, what did you just, must, was that, was that, that, that catch a little something in that real quick, you know? Or something like, you know, like, oh, like, well, we can't all be like you. Brother, sister, you don't, you don't have to be. God made you, you, and God made me, me. You know, some of us might have the wrong mindset. Some of us might have been not taught directly, like no one sat you down, but someone might have said, hey, listen, humility is for suckers. Listen, you don't ever bow yourself to nobody. You don't ever, you know, put yourself lowly or whatever. You got to be that dude. You got to be like that. Some of us might have been raised by that. Like I said, no one like sat you down and said, you got to be that dude. But no, it was, it was the atmosphere of the home. It was the cultural mindset. It was that attitude that you had to carry with you, probably for some sort of like feeling of self-protection. But it's an insecurity that has been built up in you. But humility, you go first. Hey, listen, let me say some words to you because I want to build you up, brother. I want to build you up, sister. Listen, let me help you out with what you got going on. Humility. See, because of the hard parts of life that knock us down, there's going to be a time when you are in need, or you're going to be in need, but it's a test. It's a test because for some of us, I know that to be in need is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Oh, I don't want no one knowing my business. Oh, I don't want no one seeing me weak, but you'll be the first one to help someone else. And I understand that, but you got to give and receive. You got to train yourself to give and receive because there's going to be some time where you are in need. And being on the other side of generosity, let me tell you, that's its own blessing. That's its own blessing. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, here's another one. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, this one cuts both ways. This one cuts both ways. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our fill in the blank. As we forgive our fill in the blank. It's a church thing. Y'all know. Right? Forgive us as we forgive. As we forgive. This one cuts both ways. See, to forgive other people is part of your rebuilding. But also, also, and this might be a tough one, so might be asking for forgiveness. So might be asking for forgiveness. Say, listen, I was wrong. Can you forgive me? I messed up. Can you forgive me? And that links right up with humility. What else do we have here? Oh, here's another one. Compassion. Compassion. This works too. Looking at someone in need and saying, you know what? I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to extend my hand to you. I'm not looking down on you just to look down on you. I'm looking down on you to build you back up. Compassion. You know, if we're moved to act with people and we don't do that action, 
God is watching that too. God is watching us. Sin is not only doing bad things. Sin is also refusing to do the right thing when the moment comes. Doing that good thing and just saying like, oh, you know, someone else will do that. You were there too. So compassion, that's a big one. What else do we have here? Oh, yes, of course. Discipline that comes with self-control and humility. That's a huge one too. I know a lot of us need discipline. And it's funny because discipline is both reactive to set you back on the right course, but it's also proactive because whatever that goal in mind is, you got to actually stay the course there. You got to actually put in the work to go that way. And that's a discipline too. Oh, and here's one more. And this one, let me tell you something right now. This is the one where we might not have been raised like this. We might not have been raised like this. Some of us adults here. Some of us as parents, well, if you weren't raised by this, if you didn't know, like, was I raised to be like this or not? If you have kids, you'll find out real quick if, you were, if you're raised to be like this. If you have an issue, this is something, you know what's weird about this one? This is something that people, and like, this really, like, I think about this sometimes, and this is weird. People actually pray for this. And I think sometimes when I hear people pray for this, I'm like, ooh, you said that out loud. God heard you say that, and so did all of us. Heard you say this. You said that out loud. Oh, man, you pray for this person to, like, you know, do it. God, give me pain. I'm going to leave this one over here. God, give me patience. I bet I'm going to send you that person that you don't like. Let's see if you got that patience. Funny, because we say it like that, too. We say it to someone who's bothering us. What do we say? We say, you're testing my patience. So we know we got some in us, but it's, it's, just, really, it's just really being tested. Like, you know, you, gotta, all right, you have, like, about three more seconds before you got to, like, leave this room, because I cannot guarantee your safety. Like, it's just it's a tough one. But people, like I said, people actually pray for this. They say, God, make me patient. Oh, man. When you show up to work tomorrow, God heard you. So just you said that. You said that out loud in front of God and like all of us. Like we heard you. And if you got a coworker that also goes here, they heard you too. Just be careful with your, while you're praying for patience. Like I said, I'm going to leave this one over here away from the other ones. Though. This is a special little brick right here that we need, we need to think about that guy right there. But it's tough. It's tough. And all these things right here, this is not an exhaustive list. It's just some examples. I don't know what bricks you need to restore your life or to rebuild relationships, or to rebuild things. I don't know what it is. I'm willing to say it's at least one of these. But this is where we as a community have to come together to have the faith and the action hand in hand to pray and to plan. See, let's be clear about prayer. Prayer is an action. It's an action. But it's not the only action that's needed. See, prayer is necessary. It's the action that makes sure your next action is the right action. That's what prayer can do. And all of us understand that work needs to be done in our society, and work needs to be done in our household, and work needs to be done in our hearts because that is where the change happens. And only with humility and discipline and self-control and that one can we do these things. That's the only way we could do these things. You know, they rebuilt the wall. But they didn't just pray and just hope it just all worked out. No, they prayed, they had action, and they got their hands dirty. They lifted each brick, brick by brick by brick, place by place 
by place. And it took patience and discipline and self-control. And it took a whole lot of humility to recognize, hey, I got to do a certain job and I got to do it well. And as they rebuilt this, there was one more thing. As they had the success that God gave them, they had to rejoice. They rebuilt, they restored. Now it's time for rejoice. Nehemiah chapter 8. Check this out. Starting at verse 9. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn, don't weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law because they realized what they needed so bad. Nehemiah said, go, enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. And here comes a famous line. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites claimed, uh, calmed all the people saying, be still. This is a holy day. See, rebuilding takes a long time. Restoring belts a long time, but when you know you've hit that moment, it is sweet. It is sweet. It is sweet when you've been praying and praying. We've been working and working, and there's some type of payoff, and you're like, yes! Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Verse 18, day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law. They celebrated the festival for seventh days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulations, there was a meeting assembly. This party went on for a week once they rebuilt this wall together. And you got to celebrate successes that you've had. Let me tell you something. And those of us who may be the person, you know, may not initiate themselves, I understand, but you got to understand sometimes a little recognition, a little love, a little attention, it goes a long way. It goes a long way. It's funny because as I was praying over this message, I was like, oh, God, we need a testimony for this message. Someone who's been through the process. You know what I'm saying? Someone who's, like, gone through, like, the rebuild, the restore, the rejoice. I was like, God, you know, is there? And I was about to text Pastor Carlos, like, is there somebody out here who can have a testimony about building their life together? And I whipped out my phone. I was about to text him. And then it was clear as day. God was like, there is that person. I was like, who is it? You, Elliot. I knew this day would come. I've known it since March 21st, 2019. So four years ago this past Tuesday. So I'm at work. I was doing an after-school program at my school. Having fun, you know, we was doing soccer with the kids. This is the PE uh, uh, after-school program. So gym time, you're doing soccer. We're doing badminton. We're doing basketball. You know, I'm messing with these kids, like, you know, showing them, like, hey, like, I'm the band here. You know what I'm saying? Got to check these eighth graders. They know what's up. And, uh, you know, everything was done. Everything was done. Time was over. And I left my phone over in my, uh, my jacket. So I was like, all right, la-di-da. Like, all right, time to go home. Woo-hoo. Grab the phone. 20 missed calls. Multiple missed text messages. My wife, Kalina, voicemail. Come home now. We've had a house fire. My neighbor, my next door neighbor, who's a detective here in Elizabeth, all caps text, your house is on fire. I don't know where he thought I was, but I guess, no, no, you had to to get that out there. And sure enough, I ran. It was a Thursday. I ran out as fast as I could run out of the building. I put pedal to the metal all the way through to home. 
The street was blocked off. We li- at the time, we lived in just a, a, like a one-block street. So right, right by uh, Elmore Avenue and Stiles, if you know that area here in Elizabeth. So we lived in that area. It was just a one-block street, and the street was cut off. So I just parked my car just wherever, and I just ran down the whole block. And the whole scene was there. Elizabeth Fire Department, everybody was there. The whole thing was there. And everything was there. And I saw Kalina out there as well. And uh, there's some pictures, too, to show you. This is what happened inside. So that's our kitchen. So that's our kitchen, and that's where it started, behind the microwave, which was mounted into the wall. So we had that right there. This is March. We had the kids' playroom right there. TV. I'm kidding. We have our, oh, that's how we made that together for our uh, wedding anniversary. Johnson established 2012. Good stuff right there. Everything's black on the wall. Smoke damage. It's crazy. I don't know the full science about it. You can ask Eddie about it later. We got other images. Again, the kids' playroom. That, was a, that thing up there was a clock that melted. That was weird. It was like that painting. The bedroom right there. Just soot all over the place. Oh, give thanks, though. Thanks. Thanks, please. Right there. You see the windows. You see the ceiling up there as well. The fridge. Yeah, everything torched up there, too. It's funny because our other neighbor who lived down the street, a firefighter here in Elizabeth, he ran down. Our dog was there. He lived. He lived. He lived. He lived. He was inside. He lived. He lived. Oh, thank God. Let's go. Let's go. Right? He lived. He lived. The dogs lived through a lot. Right? So, so our dog was in there. He got the dog out and everything like that. He saw what was going on. So we came home. It was like that. Now, here's the thing. Real life. Real life. I don't know of anybody who wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, in just a few hours, I'm going to experience a major tragedy. I don't know anyone who does that. Or just in a few hours, I'm going to have a life-altering event. I don't know anybody who wakes up in the morning and thinks that. I don't know. What I do know from my own experience is that it happens. And even if things are going really good, really good in your life right now, and I'm glad they are, but we know there's always something more that can be done. There's, only, there's always an inner work that can be done. There's always something that can be made better. There's always something that can be restored to greatness. But then also, things can happen. Now, that's not to say we're not cowering in fear, refusing to get out of our bed, saying, but what if something happens today? No. But if you have the blocks together that are mounted on a foundation of Christ. I will testify you before everybody today and everyone watching. You will not be broken. You will not be destroyed. See, there is things that happen in our lives, and I've experienced many. And so have you. And so have you. But what I've learned is that the song is true. On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking sand. I have learned that through this. Oh, and my wife was pregnant with our son during this too. It was a tough time. We were out of our home. We had to live in the hotel. But praise be to God, we had wonderful people, some of y'all in here, to help us out. Praise be to God. We were able to be put through our insurance company. They were amazing. The agents that helped us were amazing. Put in a rental home for a while. But I'll tell you this, it was interesting. Things were going well. Our son, Theodore, he was born. 
You brought them to the rental house, all that. That was a little bittersweet. But I remember, it's interesting, because I remember once, like, January came. And I'm like, man, it's been a while. It's been a while. Like, we've seen the, the house be rebuilt inside. We've, we've, you know, we mapped it out. You know, we prayed for wisdom, and a plan was formed to rebuild the interior of the house. Like, that was all good, but the rental house was cool, but it, it wasn't our home. It wasn't the home that we had prayed for and had worked towards. But I'll tell you this. The day we came back, the peace was there, man. And we were so happy. I mean, even in the process of rebuilding, even the weekend after the fire, it happened on a Thursday, Sunday morning. You know where we were? Myself, my wife, and our daughter? Right here. Right here. Right here. The best spot to be. Life is hard. Things move. Sometimes in your control, sometimes not. But I'll tell you this. There's someone who will hold your hand the whole way. There is someone who you have to set your foundation on so that all these things can be added unto you. That's not the only tragedy I've suffered. And I'm sure there's multiple tragedies, multiple challenges. And it doesn't have to be like this. Don't compare yourself to me. Don't have to be like that. But whatever you got going on, know that God is here. He wants to rebuild. He wants to restore. And he wants you to rejoice, just like the people did building their wall. So at this time, I'd like all the pastors and elders to come out, and ministers to come out. And we're going to invite you to come to the altar, to draw closer to God, to pray, and to rejoice. Because some of us need rebuilding. We need restoration. So if you could just join me, pastors, elders at the front here, and we could just pray for some of our wonderful brothers and sisters in their needs. And if you have something that you need to pray for specifically to be restored in your life, If you need one of these things, come here. Come forward. Because I will testify, this is where you want to be. This is where you want to be. Come to the altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise God. God is in the business of rebuilding, restoring And we can rejoice in that. Hallelujah. Join with me in prayer. Lord, you see us here. You see us in our current state. And we don't want to leave like that. God, you've rebuilt so many things. You've built so many things. And God, we have the faith to know that you're there. God, provide us with the discipline, the self-control, and yes, even the patience to walk the path of obedience so that things can be restored, relationships, marriage, jobs, society at large, in all aspects, God, can be restored. And God, may the people around us see us rejoicing in what you've done and what you have, you're going to do. God, we rejoice in you knowing that you are here.
And like the song says, we want to know your heart and how deep your love is for us, God. God, we love you so much. Thank you for this day. Thank you for every day. For every day that we have breath in our lungs, we shall praise the Lord God. God, we thank you and we love you. We thank you and we love you, Lord God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face be shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace all the days of your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you all. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.